0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.
1: Do you think that you're you are a great salesperson? Many people do very well in their particular industry doing sales, but Data shows that nearly half of all salespeople fail to meet their sales quota each year. But there's a shift to move toward, I should say, move away from more traditional methods in trying to be a great salesperson. One of the ideas is brought forth in the book, The Science of Selling, written by David Hoffeld, who is the CEO of the Hoffeld Group. He uses various elements of science and theories of science to improve people's abilities as salespeople. David joins us right now. David, welcome. Hey, it's great to be with you. Thank you, sir. Great to have you. Uh so get to let's get into this uh, behavioral methods. Behavioral economics is is something that is driving a lot of this this research into being a better salesperson these days, correct?
0: You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I always tell everyone there's never been a more exciting time to be in sales because of this literal explosion of scientific research from many disciplines like behavioral economics, also uh, neuroscience, some, some fascinating research in the last decade and two from neuroscience as well as social psychology and cognitive psychology as well.
1: And so these are all areas that have kind of caught your attention and, and is uh, part of the reason uh, that you do what you do?
0: It's, it's the entire reason I do what yep. I do. I've, I've been in sales for quite a while, but it was about 12 years ago that I stumbled on an academic journal, and I read it, and I began to apply it in my sales career, and for those I was managing, and I saw such results that, Dan, and I developed an odd hobby of reading academic journals and applying them into the world of sales, and fast forward until today. Uh, the book is based on over 1,000 different studies, and it's... Give salespeople verifiably effective behaviors that really produce real world results.
1: So the light went on when you when you read that first journal.
0: It did, yeah. It was a wake up call for me because I had always been a student of sales training, but right. most of it was based on anecdotal evidence or it was almost seemed you, you were just supposed to do what the trainer said. There was never a why we should do one thing versus another. And this research, what it does then, it's so impactful is that it allows salespeople to literally now sell the way their potential customers' brains are wired to be influenced and how they create buying decisions. So in short, it helps people make confident buying decisions that are in their best interest and also yours.
1: Well, and you talk about the fact that, that maybe one of the, the bigger problems is that with salespeople, that they don't really relate themselves to the mind of the people that they're trying to sell to and really get an idea as to what makes them tick and what they're thinking about, correct?
0: Yes, and often that goes down to the root causes. Unfortunately, it's how they're trained. Um, a lot of the way that sales ideas have been based on is best practices. Now, there's nothing wrong with best practices, but when an entire methodology is based on it, I say, who are we focusing on? We're focusing on ourselves when we develop best practices. We're trying to innovate by looking in the mirror, and that doesn't work. Who should we be focused on when selling? Our buyers. And so this science-backed approach is so exciting because it really aligns our focus with who it should always be on our buyers, how do we meet their needs, how do we truly understand them, what they need, the problems they want solved, and how they're making decisions. And then now, how do we sell because of
1: this? Well, why do you think it has taken so long for this type of shift in, in the belief or in the thought process of selling to really take place? And what do you think, I mean, was it just specifically all of the research that was being done about this that, it, that has been kind of the push behind this shift?
0: That's a very important question. For a variety of reasons that we talk about in the book, sales has not been embraced in, boy, the last 60, 70 years by academia the way, for example, marketing has. Most colleges, even community colleges, uh, have classes and even degrees in marketing Sales has very, very few. And so there really hasn't been applying real research in the world of sales. And so there is a price to be paid to do this originally because, for example, for my firm, we spent over, well, over a decade looking at these academic journals and reading them and then applying it. So it's a very tedious, arduous task. And all these results were hidden from salespeople up until recently because they were put away in academic journals and salespeople weren't reading them. And so now the good news is they've been brought out of academia, dusted off, and applied to the real world. So now they're understandable, very practical, and any salesperson can now use them, or any business can use these strategies to instantly improve their effectiveness.
1: David Hoffeld is the CEO of the Hoffeld Group and also the author of the new book, The Science of Selling, Proven Strategies to Make Your Pitch, Influence, Decisions, and Close the Deal. Uh, your comments are welcome at 844 Wharton 844 844-942-7866, if you'd like to join in and ask a question of uh, David. Or, if you can't get to your phone, you're more than welcome to send me a quick question via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, you talk about emotions, uh, and obviously emotions when you're talking about some types of purchases end up being very important. Buying a car, buying a home, that, um, that emotional attachment that that person has to that item. But the, it, it's also the recognition of the fact that emotions are such an important part as well on the part of the salesperson.
0: Absolutely, yes. We've all known in the world of sales, we believe that emotions matter, but until recently we couldn't prove it or we didn't know what to do about that. So we acknowledged it and moved on with our lives. But because of some really breakthrough research in neuroscience, we have a great understanding now of how emotions impact decision-making. And what they do is they allow us to create preferences. One neuroscientist put it this way, it's the logical part of your brain, like your neocortex, that allows you to look at a person walking towards you and say, she is my cousin. But it's your emotions that allow you to then say, and I can't stand her. It's the emotions <laughs> that allow us to create those preferences. And so emotions aren't just involved in the decision process. They literally determine whether we choose in one direction yeah. Or another,
1: you talk about options as well, and, and it was interesting in, in, in looking at some of the things you mentioned. Uh, options end up being a good thing uh, in this process, which caught me a little bit off guard. In, in that, there's there's the old philosophy of you know, look, if if you have too many options, it can end up being it can end up backfiring against you. But in this case, options, at least one or two of them, end up being a positive.
0: You're exactly right. The research shows both sides of that. So the reality is our brains can easily get confused, and too many options drive down sales results. We talk about that. But to your point, only showing one option also drives down sales results. In fact, one of the studies we talk about in the book, when we talk about um, done by Daniel Machan and published in the Journal of Consumer Research, where he showed one option to shoppers and asked them if they would purchase it, 10% did. When he introduced a second option and allowed them to choose, 34% chose the original option. 32% of the shoppers chose the second option. So buying behavior went from 10% to 66%. So giving people a second option, and the reason that is, is because our brains naturally do comparisons. Right. When you only have one option, it's very hard for your brain now to compare it to say, is this a good product or bad product, a good price or a bad price. We need to do that comparison. And so when you add that second option, it eases the cognitive load of the comparison, making it far easier for your brain to do. And once your brain does that comparison and selects a winner of the two options, it lowers the assignment of risk with now purchasing that option.
1: But it also uh, it also uh, kind of, to a degree, it takes out your competition as well, in that because if you're giving somebody a couple of options in your – Uh, in in your business, then uh, it doesn't allow them to consider an option from another entity, does it?
0: That's a very valid point, absolutely. And there's so many strategies that you can use that are really aligned with how our brains make choices. Another one is by sharing what other people, like your potential customers, are doing in the same situation. We are very persuaded, the research shows, by people just like us who have experienced similar issues and how, what did they choose? Because that lowers our assignment of risk as well with following in their footsteps. So I always tell companies and salespeople, think about some of your successful customers. Understand, you know, what were their issues they were struggling with? And then after they purchased your product or service, what were the results? And then when you have a potential customer who's similar to one of those success stories, share that. And that can be extremely powerful and really help people understand the benefits they're going to experience of your product or service.
1: David Hoffeld is the author of the book, The Science of Selling. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or you can't get to your phone, send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan L-O-N-E-Y, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Do, do salespeople sometimes, do they, do they lose their perspective at which which ends up causing them to lose the sale? I mean, they're not focusing enough about the person. They're just thinking about their bottom line.
0: I think that happens a lot of times, and I think it's because oftentimes we're so focused on ourselves. and really the way to be successful in sales and in business is really to focus on other people. This is one of the things that the science shows, and we teach to our clients, and that is, for example, one of the biggest questions I get is, How do I create new customer relationships? What do I do? How do I break through the ice? Regardless of the method I use, how do I do that? Too often in sales, to your point, we begin by saying things like, you know, uh, if I could have a few minutes of your time, Dan, to ask you some questions, just to see if our product or service might be able to help you in some meaningful ways. And, of course, everyone rejects that idea because we don't want to go fishing for value. So, what I always tell them is leverage reciprocity. What is reciprocity, real quickly? It's a social norm that says we should repay others for what they've done for us, right? right. And so, we want to begin by giving value. Don't ask for things, give things. What is a meaningful insight? Perhaps it's a, a white paper, an article, a blog post, something you found in the research about their organization, something you can give them for free that has a high level of value and demonstrates your expertise. Because once you start with giving. People are now going to reciprocate and they're very likely now to answer your questions and really answer them honestly because they really feel this psychological debt. So reciprocity has been shown to boost sales in some cases by over 100%. It is extremely powerful. And again, it keeps our focus on who we should always be focused on, our customer and giving value on every sales call.
1: You also talk about the fact that that not only is it just about uh, being a better salesperson, but also that a lot of these methods and, and following some of this scientific, uh, scientific research can make you a better boss uh, in terms of how you deal with your employees, uh, you know, a variety of different levels.
0: Absolutely right, because as a... When you are in a managerial position, you are about you know, guiding change and you know, fostering motivation, really not getting in the way of it. And the great news is there is so much science in this area. How do we guide people in embracing change? That's always a challenge for managers. How do we continue to foster motivation? And perhaps even the bigger question, how do we not demotivate people? How do we coach them? How do we hire the right people? We talk about this a little bit in the book uh... what what are the the core predictors of sales heightened levels of sales performance we now know what those are i mean it's such an exciting time like i mentioned to be in sales and business because this scientific data takes the guesswork out no longer must we guess our way to success now armed with this research we can make decisions that are accurate and in the best interest of ourselves and even more importantly those we serve
1: uh, part of this also I- in advancing this is is people taking the time to to delve into the research. And unfortunately, you know, we're we're in this this high paced world that, that we live in that for some people, taking the time just to, to kind of get a get your head around that, that's a that's a that's a hill that you have to climb to begin with. And that's
0: the exact reason why I wrote the book. And we wanted to make this very practical, easy for people to understand. And so that's what we did in the book. My book is not a textbook. Uh, though it's backed by science, and there are over 400 different citations in the book if you want to find and follow the, uh, the trail to get into the actual research. But we make it understandable, very easy to apply, and so that was one of my goals in writing the book, was to take the science and really make it so it's, as soon as someone puts that book down, they can instantly begin to use this that day to make them more effective in their business
1: you uh you also talk a little bit about about uh, data and how that is impacting uh, the sales world how really important is the data the the mountainous amounts of data that we see out there these days to this whole process
0: it's changed the game in many ways not only now can we have a lot of data about our customers but they have a lot of data about us as well. So, yeah. anyone can do a Google search and find out you and all your main competitors. So, it's created a hyper competitive marketplace, and it has made what a salesperson does more important than ever because you can't hide your competitors anymore. When I first got into sales, oftentimes people didn't know who the main competitors were in my space. This is many years ago. Uh, Because there was no way of knowing. Now, they do a Google search, and they know all the main competitors. They'll look at their websites. They'll get an understanding of the product and services. And so now when we enter the sale, you're in a hyper-competitive selling environment. So we all have to skill up and upgrade our skills and abilities because this is the hyper-competitive world we're in. And oftentimes, it's not the best product or service that wins. It's the best salesperson because we are what create the perception. Right. of that company that final perception that nudges people over the edge and helps them choose one way or another so the way you sell matters now really more than ever before
1: and this is uh, all the way up and down the chain uh, of sales all the way from the fortune 500 company down to the you know the people that are selling mattresses at the at the local mattress store
0: that's exactly right i mean and the great thing is this science can be applied to any sales environment. We work with companies, you know, Fortune 100 companies, and we've also worked with small businesses that just have a single person, you know, just the business owner that are startups. And it doesn't matter. Everyone can get better. I mean, armed with the scientific data, we can now improve anyone's sales performance, even those who don't think they're natural salespeople. Because selling now, because we've codified these behaviors, selling is a skill that can be learned by anyone. We know the behaviors that'll help you literally sell the way your potential customers create buying decisions.
1: What's the key then for salespeople to get that close, to get that final, yes, I'm going to buy X?
0: The key is to focus on what comes well before it. Oftentimes in sales, we get seduced by the close. We think that what happens there, using a magical phrase, they call them closing phrases – is what prompts the sale. It's not. Every piece of research shows that there are certain commitments our brains must make. And if we make them, we're very likely to say yes at the end of the sale. And if we don't, we won't. And so the way I look at selling is really a series of incremental commitments that guide our potential customers on a progression of consent, naturally advancing the sale, and leading them into that final decision to purchase. Because that's how our brains make big choices. We first make small ones that are aligned with the big ones. It's how our brains construct them. And so we think of commitments as literally the building blocks of the sale.
1: And, and it's those small commitments. I mean, p- p- salespeople, I think, sometimes they, they are always thinking about, i got to get that final close. i got to get that, that big thing at the end. Whereas if you get those, those smaller ones along the way, the, 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 the bigger commitment will be sure to follow most, most times. That's
0: exactly right. And that's an important thing because oftentimes uh, our potential customers hate the close because they feel pressured. Why? because they've been sold to badly. They've been sold to in ways that conflict with how their brains make choices. Their brain doesn't make one big decision at the end of a persuasive request. It makes it throughout that request. And so we need to begin to look at, instead of how do we want to sell, we say, how does the brain make a decision? How can you help your potential customers make that choice? How do you make it easier for them? So they walk away feeling good about their decisions. They feel confident in them that you get loyal, happy customers and the way you sell is such, it makes such an impact on that.
1: What about the type of, of communication that, that salespeople will have with a particular, a particular customer, whether that be in person or on the phone or, you know, via email? And it may end up being a, a combination of all the three.
0: Absolutely. In fact, it often is. So the, the, the mode of communication, no doubt it matters. There's some things happening when you're face-to-face that are different on the phone, um, that is highly influential. But the good news is this scientific principles are, supersede all of that because they're based on how our brains work. So you can apply them in your own environment. And, for example, in the book, we show you exactly how to do this with real-world examples, and we have exercises that walk you through, okay, how do I take this science, these ideas, these strategies, and use them today to make me more effective so I can better serve my customers?
1: David, appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. David Hoffeld, CEO and uh, Chief Sales Trainer of the Hoffeld Group. The book is The Science of Selling, Proven Strategies to Make Your Pitch, Influence Decisions, and Close the Deal, uh, here on Sirius XM 111. Many thanks to him. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.